This is Live at Politics and Prose, a program from Slate and Politics and Prose Bookstore in Washington, D.C., featuring some of today's best writers and top thinkers. Tonight, we are here for Yersa Daly Ward. She is a poet, model, and actor from Northern England. As many of you know, her debut poetry collection, Bone, received praise from fellow poet Naira Walid and writer Hanif Adrakwib of The Atlantic. We are here tonight to celebrate the release of her new lyrical memoir, The Terrible, expressing her experience of growing up under her grandparents' home who are devout Seventh-day Adventists. So please give her a warm welcome. Hello, everybody. How are you? Can I just say, it's my first time in Washington, D.C. So I'm excited. I came in today, this afternoon. I feel like it's just like a flying visit. You know, I have to be back. I have to go tomorrow to Chicago. So I don't get to experience it in its fullness. But I've heard wonderful things. And so I will be back for a weekend, a drunken weekend. <laughs> um, thank you for coming. It's, it's, yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. And... Let me start without, without too, too long of an intro. So I wrote this book, The Terrible, um, that we're here tonight to kind of launch. And it happened because I wrote another book, Bone. And uh, thank you. <laughs> and, and so the, I wrote this book, Bone, and was just really, really like broke. Basically, I had no money. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to get money? And my friend, who's Naira Wahid, anyone heard of her? Yeah. Um, my friend was like, well, why don't you just put all your stuff in the book? So I said, okay, then. So then this book, um, this book happened, it came together. And I didn't know whether it was going to do well, whether it wasn't going to do well, put it together in 2014, July. And slowly, it started to move slowly. And thanks to like wonderful, wonderful supporters on Instagram and on online, it just gathered traction and, and it came together. So fast forward to 2017 and there was an agent who said, I really like Bone. Do you have anything else? Do you? Do you have anything else? And I said, yeah, I didn't. I had nothing. I had nothing. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and that's how the terrible was born. She was like, OK, OK, so then send it to me. And I was like, shit, what, what am I going to do? Um, and so quickly just started writing this book that I thought was going to be this fictional book about like, I don't know, magic and children and ended up writing this this thing that was all true. And I didn't want to write a memoir. I didn't want to tell everyone my secrets, you know, but... We're here, and, and this, this is what's happened. So let me start with a few poems from Bone. So the first poem I'm gonna do is a poem I wrote when I was drunk. Well, no, I was hungover, still drunk, a little bit drunk. And then the person I wrote this about said, is it about me? And I said, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> of course it's not about you. And it's called, When It Is But It Ain't. Some of us love badly. Sometimes the love is the kind of love that implodes, folds in on itself, eats its insides, turns wine to poison, behaves poorly in restaurants, drinks, kisses other people, comes back to your bed at 4 a.m. smelling like everything outside, 
asks about your ex, is jealous of your ex, thinks everyone a rival. Some of us love others badly, love ourselves worse. Some of us love horrid, love beastly, love sick, love anti-light. Sometimes the love can't go home at night, can't sleep with itself, cannot contain itself, catches fire, destroys the belly, strips buildings, goes missing, punches, smashes heirlooms, tells lies, the best lies, chases lovers into corners, leaves them longing, seasick, says yes, means anything but yes, tricks the body, kills the body, dances wild, and walks away smiling when it is what it ain't. So, and so, you know, I never know what poems to do when I get into a space and I always say, the crowd will inform me of my decision. <laughs> and so I'm gonna do a poem about mental health. Um, mental health. If you're walking down an aisle, with a dim fluorescent hue, by the tinned fish and beans in cans, strip lighting above, cracked tiles beneath, with the realization that most things are futile. And if you get the sudden urge to end it all, don't stop, call a friend, call your mother if you have one and if you can stand her, listen to her talk about the price of tinned fish and canned beans call the speaking clock. Know that whatever time it says, whatever time it says is the time that everything has to change. Leave the damn aisle. Don't go anywhere where they sell sweets, chips, booze, fast love or lottery tickets. See that just outside there are people-lined streets that are emptier than your insides. Skies darker than your own. Look for yourself because it never helps to hear from anyone else. If you're one of those running around town like mad people, people who jump from tall buildings, buildings with glass fronts and not enough air, if you're failing to fix a broken story, if you have been cooped up for far too long in a very high tower in a dangerously low state, plenty of TV channels and TV dinners, plenty of sweets, biscuits, chocolate desserts, and plenty of wine, but no love for miles and miles if you didn't get up for work today. If it's been afternoon for hours and the silence is keeping you awake. If you only remember how to draw your breath in and out like waves of thick tar cooling. If you're wishing it later, pulling the sun down with your prayers, leave the damn bed, wash the damn walls, crack open a window, even in the rain, even in the snow. Listen to the church bells outside. Know that however many times they chime is half the number of changes you have to make. Stop trying to die. Serve your time here. Do your time. Clean out the fridge. Throw away the soya milk. Soya milk is made from children's tears. Get flowers from outside. Stand them in a measuring jug. Chop raw vegetables if you have them. Know if you're hungry for something. If you're hungry for something but you can't think what, you're more often than not only love thirsty only bored when the blood in your body is weary to flow if your bones are heavy they'll hollow if you've made it past 30 rejoice if you haven't yet celebrate no there's a time coming in your life when dirt settles dirt settles and patterns form pictures if you dream of the city but you live in the country milk the damn cows sell the damn sheep know they'll be wishing you well posing for pictures on milk cartons or running over lush hills to be counted at the beginning of somebody else's dream 
See, they never held you back. It was you, only you. Thank you. Mental health. So the reason why I've got a book in the first place and I'm telling all my, my secrets, my deep, dark secrets, is um, because it's my belief that everything super negative can be transmuted into positive. So actually, as shitty as your life is, it can become that good. You know, it's like a, it's like a puzzle, invert, you know, goes up like that. Um, and one of the poems that I think talks about this is a poem I wrote called Poetry. I'm really good at titles. I wrote a poem called Poetry. <laughs> <laughs> poetry. No one is saying anything at the dinner table tonight because everyone is too angry. The only noise is the sound of fine silver on bone china and other people's children playing outside. But this will give you poetry. There is no knife in the kitchen sharp enough to cut the tension and your grandmother's hands are shaking. The meat and yam stick in your throat and you do not dare even to whisper, please pass the salt but this will give you poetry. Your father is breathing out of his mouth. He is set to beat the spark out of you tonight for reasons he isn't even sure of himself yet. You will come away bruised. You will come away bruised, but this will give you poetry. The bruising will shatter. The bruising will shatter into black diamonds. No one will sit beside you in class. Maybe your life will work. Most likely your life won't work at first but that will give you poetry. Thank you. Poetry. And so this is how the book starts. It starts, um, you know, I wrote this, this book uh, and the only person I cared about, because everyone's like, aren't you scared about all the people in it? And I thought, no, not really. The only person I, the only person I cared about was my little brother who is like the constant through it. And so the book is really unwittingly uh, a long kind of love letter to him. And so when the book was ready, I, uh, I, I gave it to him. I, was, I thought, oh my God, he's gonna be, he's gonna be really upset because it's all his stuff. Are you happy with it? If you're not happy with it, I won't publish it. Gave it to him and he was like, yeah, no, go on, fucking do it, fucking do it. <laughs> so I've done it. Um, so this is the prologue. My little brother and I saw a unicorn in the garden in the late 90s. I'm telling you, neither one of us made it up. It was as real as anything else. Sometimes when the world around us grew indistinct, when facts would blur into less certain things and frightening things looked set to occur, the two of us could see clearly into the fourth dimension. So when Linford James was on the ladder at midnight, banging on the windows and shouting at mom, and later, when the color in his throat deepened and they were nose to nose, neither one of them spotted the unicorn. Adults went about their lives missing beauty all the time. Little Rue was six. I was 10. The unicorn strode a couple of majestic laps of the garden before vanishing completely into the rose bush. The fourth dimension was our only explanation for this. We weren't dreaming. That night, mom called the police. The next evening, Linford was sleeping in her bed again, snoring the walls down in his frightening manner. The unicorn wasn't the only strange thing, though. Living up in Chorley, up in the northwest of England, we were closer to the sky than most. What luck. My brother often saw things written in the stars. 
signs, facts, and other things. I'm telling you, he knew why adults said the things they said and why they didn't mean the things they said and even less what they did. Sometimes it wasn't answers that my brother found, but entirely perfect questions. A genius, my little brother. That's the prologue. So, so then there was this um, ongoing uh, question as I, I grew up. And um, my mum sat me down when I was around six and said, oh, um, this guy, dad, is not your dad. So I said, okay, who's my dad? And she said, your dad is a Nigerian. <laughs> and I was like, a Nigerian? What's a Nigerian? <laughs> she said, a very, very special thing. Um, so we were living with this guy called Linford who we didn't like. Linford didn't like us, it was fine. We, nobody liked anybody. <laughs> and um, my brother and I had this song that we made up about, obviously you never heard it. Um, that we called Dad's secret song for Linford James, aka Dad, by Little Rue and I. Dad is bad and we are mad. We are glad when Dad is sad. Dad is mad when we are glad. When we are sad, Dad is glad. Mum let us in on a new truth one evening. We were sitting in the back seat of her car, waiting for the bingo hall to open so she could collect her winnings. Once she'd collected 157 pounds from the payout desk, she sat back behind the wheel and sighed and lingered, one hand on the steering wheel, the other running through her hair. You know, Sonny, she said, eyeing me in the mirror. I nodded. She tossed her head back towards my brother. That's his real dad. Mum chewed and popped a stick of strawberry gum. The car was filled with the smell of it. It made sense. A few years later, Sonny was a guy who used to hang around our house and he was one of the DJs at the local Caribbean club. He spoke with a raspy voice and swore a lot. One night back then when Mum was working a hospital night shift, he took me to work and left me to play on the dance floor. That little girl is too young to be in here, a woman gasped. Have you no shame? That little girl ought to be in bed. Fuck off, said Sonny, who was standing by the DJ booth, drinking rum from the bottle. Find a man and mind your own damn business. <laughs> back in the car, my brother looked worried for a little. But I don't know, Sonny, he said. No, said Mum, nobody does. My brother seemed happy with that. I wanted to ask more things, but mum started up the car and asked me to please be quiet. Sang along to Mercy, Mercy Me by Marvin Gaye. She couldn't carry a tune though, not for anything. We could barely hear ourselves think and by the time she delivered us to grandma's, we'd forgotten all about Sonny. That was until the next time we saw Linford and told him what we knew. We'd run into him quite by accident one Saturday evening. We were playing on the curb, waiting for Grandma to finish up at the store. As we crossed over the road to the park, Linford was ambling up the road round the corner from our aunties. He looked thinner than usual. Good evening, we chorused, being well-practiced in politeness when it came to big people. You two just been at church? Yeah, said my brother, sucking on a lollipop. Don't yet me, boy. You too is behaving yourself? You like staying with grandma? He mocked. 
Little Vu fell silent for a moment and kicked up some dirt by the fence, pulling it into a mound of earth with the tip of his shoe. Stop doing that, said Linford. Those little shoes cost money, boy. Yeah? Yeah what? Don't get rude. Don't make me beat you in the street today. My brother pulled his lollipop out of his mouth. The middle of his tongue was bright green. You're not my dad, said he. Linford's face made a hint of a movement, a half jerk. Who tell you that? Mommy, said little Rue. My real dad is Sonny. Sonny plays records at parties. <laughs> it's true, I nodded. It's true, mum said. <laughs> Linford stared hard at us. He stood still for a while, working something out, nodded, and told us both to take care. His voice was wet. We felt wrong somehow. We watched him float away and down the street like dust. Linford went away for a little while after the new truth, leaving his crinkled shirts hanging in one side of mum's wardrobe and his toolbox and shoes in the cupboard under the stairs. Mum wasn't the type to cry over things like this. She said she had a cold and that's why her eyes watered. Thank you. So shortly after that encounter, my brother and I found ourselves living full time at my grandma's. Um, and my grandparents are very strict Seventh-day Adventists. Anybody else SDA? No? Does anyone know who Seventh-day Adventists are and what they do? You know about Seventh-day Adventists. Are you a Seventh-day Adventist? Oh, so you know, you know. So, yes, so it was a, it's a very strict um, Christian fundamentalist religion. It is, um, you know, they say it's quite close to Jehovah's Witness and uh, I guess Mormon, if you were to like meld the two together, but actually not like either of them. But in, in terms of strictness, that's where it is. And my brother and I were sent to go and live with my grandparents and we had a lot of strict rules to adhere to. All of a sudden we were thrown into this really, really super, 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 I guess, stringent set of rules. And uh, we were allowed to go out on two occasions. The first, we had to witness in the market square. So every Saturday night, because Saturday is our Sabbath, we had to go and stand in the market square and convert passers-by to tell them about the second coming of Jesus. And don't you know, you will burn in hell soon if you don't listen to us, if you don't pray, and if you don't you know, adhere to the Bible. The second thing we were able to do, and this was the only thing my brother and I were allowed to do alone, is knock on the door of everybody that lived around us, and we were the only black people in our neighborhood, knock on the door and ask them to donate money to starving children in Africa. The church was behind this. Uh, and this is what happened on one of those days. Do you think, asked my brother, hands on little hips, that mum doesn't love us enough and that's why we have to live with grandma and granddad? We are going door to door, collecting for worldwide Advent missions. We are head to toe in denim shirts and jean sets and we're matching. I nod my head. I think mum loves us a little bit, but not as much as other people's mums. Is it because we're black? Grandad says that the world hates black people. No, because the people at church are brown and they are with their mums and mum is brown too. 
Grandad says that we're black, not brown. No, 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 coal is black. Night and evil things are black. Brown sounds better, little Rue. Say brown, okay? Okay, okay, okay. A teenager with deep set eyes and a shaved head opens the door and yells at whoever is in there that there are two gollies on the doorstep before pounding up the stairs. The next thing we know, his parents are staring down at us. In his sweet little voice, my brother launches into a perfectly rehearsed, we're collecting for Adventist Trust. Would you like a postcard or a fridge magnet? Their faces relax a little and they shake their heads no, but they give us 50 pence each anyway. The lady is clutching a gold cross on a pendant around her stringy neck. They ask us if the children on the leaflet are people we know, and we lie and we say, yes, they are all our cousins. <laughs> they ask us whereabouts in Africa we're from, but my brother doesn't know, and I lie and guess at Nigeria, but I'm not sure if I said it right. We don't look like the children on the leaflet, but the couple don't seem to notice. They tell us our English is very good and say they feel so very sorry for the third world and all of its problems. It's because your leaders are corrupt, the man says. They just won't govern themselves properly. They want all the money and power for themselves and they don't give a shit about you people. Shame. We say thanks for the coins. And when they shut the door, I'm feeling dark red things and I don't know why. I spin around to my brother and I tell him, mom is destined to go to hell, straight to hell, because she's a Jezebel who had children without being married and neither one of us know our fathers. And also she's a gambler because she plays the national lottery, which is a massive sin. I'm angry with mum a lot these days because we love her so much and we never ever see her. On Sundays, my brother and I stare out of the window, counting every white car that goes by, all the, while, all the while hoping that she'll take us home to stay. That evening, we make 12 pounds from the people in our area. The best day yet. Even better, we get home and mum is there. There are tight knots in my tummy. There is wind in my body whistling through the loops and the twists. I can hear it. I want to seem mature, you know, and not too excited to see her standing there, but it's difficult. It's difficult because she always feels like a dream. I inhale, I blow out, I squeeze my buttocks together to stop the air escaping. She looks, oh, she looks superstar brilliant. Her hair is shiny past her shoulders and she smells like strawberries. She's bought us a tub of Neapolitan ice cream to share. Her nails are shiny and red. My grandma is hanging around with an odd expression on her face and she says, Marcia, ice cream later, explain the thing to the child, no? Mum takes me upstairs to my bedroom. My brother has to go and let grandma bathe him because it's almost dinner time. What is a golly? He's asking her as they disappear into the bathroom. Mum says, get on the bed, sweetheart. She says she has something to tell me, something important. I am thinking, I should never have thought or said those things about mum. We must be going back to live with her. Maybe she loves us lots and lots and lots and lots and we didn't even know it. My stomach is flipping out by now. The wind in me is sighing and rumbling around my hip area, wanting so much to escape. There are moths in my belly, pretty pink moths darkening. When will she leave? Will it be soon? I hope not. Mum says I need to listen carefully. 
but I do not let it, I do not make it onto my high bed until she lets the news drop. Your dad is dead, she says. Not Linford, the real one. Liver failure, drank himself to death. She takes a spoonful of ice cream from my bowl. I so wanted him to meet his little girl. He would have loved you. She bites at the scoop with her beautiful teeth. And all I can think is beauty makes everything bearable. Thank you. Questions. So this is apparently the time when everybody asks questions. Um, form an orderly queue. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. <laughs> How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> All right. Um, so my name is Lara Abiana. Um, just wanted to um, just um, ask a bit more about um, your friendship with um, Nayira. Is it Nayira Wahid? Mm -hmm. Am I saying it right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just wanted to just know a bit more because it's it's always really cool just seeing you guys like send little like support to each other like mm. through social media. So just wanted to know like how you guys got to connect and got to both be some of my own favorite like Instagram poets and just. Well, yeah. you know, actually it was Tumblr. It was Tumblr that brought us together. Mm. <laughs> um, and I just admired this poet and I thought, oh, well, I'll just, you know, I always show my appreciation because there's this strange idea that there can only be like one or two, which is just stupid because you want as many as possible. Uh, you want all the artists, like the more of us, the better, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I wrote something fangirly like, oh my God, and then she she replied to me. I was like, oh my god, in my house. And then we had a Skype. And then we just um I mean I don't I don't see her a whole lot. Um, but back and forwards we we from uh, that time, from an early time, 2013, we just started supporting each other's work because we love each other's work, you know? Mm -hmm. And then the work of Tapiwa as well, Tapiwa Mugabe, who's an incredibly Zimbab incredibly brilliant Zimbabwean poet. Mm -hmm. And you're just stronger in numbers, you know? Mm -hmm. You're not stronger like trying to do things by yourself and trying to be the best. You're stronger, and that's one why we co-released the books together. She co-released mm -hmm. Nejma, Nayira, mm -hmm. and I, I did Bone, and then Tapiwa had a Zimbabwe, and mm -hmm. then we, that's that's how it happened. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you have to have solidarity with your, whatever discipline you're involved in, because it makes you stronger, especially for writers who, I guess, are from what they call a marginalized identity. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your talent, both in Bone and, and the Terrible. Thank I'm you. I'm curious, uh, what are you listening to? And music wise. Music wise okay. and also like poets and, and um authors that you read as well. Oh, oh my god, we're gonna be here for eight. Uh, okay, I'll try to be quick. So with um with poetry and and fiction i try to open books that first of all that i wouldn't normally open just to like keep me you know you got to stay on your toes you know so at the moment i'm reading bluettes um by maggie nelson i've just finished a little life at hanya yanagohara which messed me up i've been i was crying i was a mess i was like why it's very relentless but but brilliant you know um Kavay Akbar, sam Sachs, dana smith uh safir elio obviously neira wahid obviously at tapio mugabe tony morrison always jeanette winterson who i adore just because of the way just 
I just said how fantastical the works are. I'm listening to, I listen to everything. I listen to metal, I listen to punk. I listen to a lot of reggae because it reminds me of my mum. At the moment, I have like, I have a Spotify playlist that is, I have a Spotify playlist that is very, very open. So if you want to see, there's all kinds of stuff stuff on it. It, it. it like, yeah, there's no cohesion. You know, it goes from like Bob Marley to like the Rolling Stones and like, you know, some cra- crazy, and then just some instrumental stuff as well. I listen to, <laughs> I listen to a lot of high vibrational celestial music. I have sound bowls at my house and I play them in the morning or someone plays them for me. You know, I anything that's going to take me into a different realm because sometimes being here, is, is really really bloody draining so I want to be <laughs> elsewhere so you know yeah try to try to move and, uh, and try to shift um, and we talked about poetry we talked about fiction um, and I just and I love podcasts and it can be even things that I there's this what's the podcast called we just phoned around there's a, a podcast and I can't remember the name of it and he just calls random people and has a, a, like a, a conversation with them but I find it really interesting so anything like that because I have a you know a brain that if if it isn't, basically, I you know it's an idle one, so I have to make sure. It, uh, uh, yeah, I have to make sure I'm occupied, or you know, you never know what could happen in there. So yeah, everything, anything, and everything. Do we have any more questions? Yes. No, she's first. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello. No worries. Hi. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm so well. Good. Um, so first of all, your energy is just so contagious and beautiful. Thanks oh, for thank being you. here. Thank you so much. Um, and I love you. I love your work. I'm so excited <gasps> to get you to sign uh, the terrible for me. I haven't bought it yet, but I will buy it. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to ask you, so your journey in order to, you know, get to, well, maybe not where you are, but in order to, to start writing. Mm. Um, so I, I am, I I write. Um, and how how did how was this journey shaped? I mean, it sounds like there was a lot of tragedy and trauma in your life, and I'm sure it, it might have been an outlet. I don't know. Um, did you start reading specific authors, or did you just kind of like start it right? I mean, like, how did it shape to maybe a little before Bone or Bone or you know what? I actually believe that everything happened how it's supposed to. So when I look back at anything, it doesn't it doesn't read as tragedy or trauma. Mm. Yes, some things were difficult, but actually mm. kind of I'm happy that they are, mm. that they were like that because if they were if anything had been different, I wouldn't be here now speaking to you. Mm. So it's supposed to happen this way. And I feel very lucky mm. that even like those things that were I was like, God, oh, why? Mm. It's it's for a reason. This mm. has led me right here. Um the trajectory is this, like I feel like you're tr- it finds you. I feel mm. like if you if you're not putting up too much resistance and you actually relax and because sometimes we try to chase things too much and it doesn't happen. I, I have good experience with that as well if it will find you so if it's words that have got to find you if it's the book that's got to find you you sit down and you allow yourself to be the conduit or whatever and, and it's going to come out you know because because that that's how life works and those are the laws that like that of, of the universe and or of god or however you want to put it that you put yourself in that place and you just remain open you remain open even when Horrible stuff sometimes happens. Mm. You remain open and it will happen. It will find you and you'll think, God, how, how am I here from last year? Mm. And that's because you allowed it. Uh, and 
yeah, I living testament to that because I did not expect any of this to happen. I just, you know, it was one step after the other, after the other, after the other. There was no game plan. You know, mm. I just had to be soft and, and let it come through me. Mm. Thank you. You're so welcome. And was there, a, sorry, it's, no, was there a, any specific author that inspired you a lot? There are so many, but there are always the authors. Do you know what? I think Alice Walker is one of the main ones because Alice Walker, when I was little, and I read her when I was really young, and gave voice to things that I didn't know people were allowed to talk about. So I was like, oh, wow, you're talking about sensuality between women and you're talking about, you know, you're talking about sex and you're talking about violence in the home, you know, things that, you know, I'm from a Jamaican Seventh-day Adventist background. We're not supposed to talk about things. So the, the moment I knew that that was okay, everything was open. Thank you so you're much. You're so welcome. Hello. Hi. Hi, I'm Jamise. Hello, Jamise. I'm a low-key stalker of you. That's all right. I um, like stalkers. But I have to say that I first discovered you when you, um, on social media, you said, the more I read, the freer I feel. Yeah. Yes. yes. And so that's kind of like my quote on my personal Instagram page. And I just wonder the process of how, do you know the power of your words? Um, you literally will write two sentences and it will say as much as the entire book. Um, mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I wake up in the morning and read a devotion from the Bible, and then I will read something from Bone because it's on my nightstand. <sighs> and so I just want you to know the power of your words, as simple as they may be. You also said, find a lover that buys you books. Can oh, I yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Oh my God. So I'm just wondering, where do you get these just one-liners or two sentences that you just wake up and you just produce them? Or... <laughs> Well, well, no, the, the, the things I want, I want a lover that buys me books. I do too. <laughs> so, so when it happens, I'm like, oh, if only, if only, I'll put it on Twitter, if only, you never know who's listening. Um, no, seriously, I mean, someone might be like, I am the lover, I will buy you books. You don't know. So, you know, I put it out there. But honestly, that's for me, that's bliss, you know, that's, that's, that's bliss, you know, constantly being fed. You know, yes. but art and and it's it's a medium that I, I love. Even if it was films, even if it was music, but someone who's who who pay, who would pay attention to you like that. And so I, I do it for myself. You do you, you do it for yourself. You know, you don't say much. No, right. No, it's so beautiful. I'm not. Yeah, and 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 in in real life, this is real life, I guess. In in a real life, I also don't say much. I'm not a huge talker. It comes out here. That's Thank where you. It comes out. Thank you, Jamise. Hello. Hello. Um, my name is Lorenzo. Um, I'm pretty sure like everyone here, I am a really big fan. I um, It's weird how I kind of came to your work. It's, I actually came to your work through Florence Welch, which was kind of like a, awesome. like Florence and the Machine yes. in between two books and then following you. And then, so, um, and you kind of helped me put my work out there, which, it, which was, which was, um, which is really inspirational. But my question was, um, your memoir, it says that it's a lyrical memoir. Mm. And I know that when I write, like, it's funny how you were talking about your playlist. Like, when I write, I kind of listen to, I listen to music. That's kind of like what gets me. Um, so do you listen to music when, when you write? Or do you, like... Um, I don't know. It's like it's weird to me. Like when I when I hear when I s listen to instrumentals, like words kind of 
link yeah, up with that. So that do makes you do sense. that? Um, and also, what is your what's your uh, remedy for a writer's block? If you- oh, okay. So so I don't. I actually I love um, I love instrumentals mm-hmm. but actually I write in total silence and I write at the top of the day but I'm like really heavily influenced by dreams and dream okay. you know the, the dreamscape so you're like oh everything is, everything's possible you know you're all floaty then you start writing it down and you know mad, a lot of like the text in the terrible is stuff I wrote when I was like only half here and 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 um a lot some of the stuff in bone i like to write from that space because it's before the editor and the the critic in me is awake saying you can't write that that's rubbish you know it's and and you know because it doesn't all have to make literal sense some of the most beautiful stuff is is the stuff that's there that's like they're there before you've got time to to mess it up by getting in the way and we get in the way of our art all the time you know we do and so the the, the trick to put writer's block is the same thing it's the free write in the morning when you wake up and and and, and the st- you haven't woken up yet so you can't be like wondering about bills or like you know looking at email which that breaks me no twitter no instagram nothing you have to wake up in the morning and ju- it just has to just be that pure sound that's coming from you you know your heart when your heart is open what you love what you desire what you're afraid of you know people that from your past that are coming into your dream what does it mean because that's the truest you i think you know when you're when you're in you know that that's right there you know when you wake up oh, you wake up sometimes and you cry or you feel soft or you feel that's that's that, those that's the time because i feel like in the day like so much has happened I don't you know I'm, I've traveled further from myself you know I'm the me that has to survive in the world and that's right and that's the diff- that's the different that's not the me that, that, that writes the shit that I want to write or the me that goes into the the different realms you know that thinks about like sci-fi and magic and realism that's not that's that's gone by God, that's gone by ten o'clock. <laughs> so I, I have to get out, get it, get it quickly in the morning. Definitely. But yeah, absolutely. Did that answer the question? It did. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. Hello. I'm still in R right now. <laughs> uh, sorry. Anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm Dana, and Hi, I'm Dana. Jamaican. So I love that you have like the Jamaican mm. background, and also I love that you talk about mental health. So I wanted to know the two things in the Jamaican community and like even Nigerian, you know, in general, we don't really talk about our mental health. So what was it like for you when you're exploring, you know, that aspect of yourself and like, what was that journey like? If you came- it, it feels freeing because what are the, the, anything that's ever stopped me in life is, is my mental state. Like it, the only thing that's that stopped me from getting up, doing the writing, doing the work, exercising, eating some days, you know, if we're going to go further back in time, is is the state that my mind was in. I know if my mind's right, I can do anything. If my mind's not right, I can't do anything. So I have to make sure my mind's right. So I have to do certain things to ensure that. And that's the things that I do every single day. Because if I don't, I feel it slipping. And maybe I can get away with two to three days. And when I say, you know, the things that I do are like meditation, are like gratitude journey but I have to do that I have to do that quite religiously you know for want of a different term because I have to remind myself why I'm here and what the purpose is when I go away from that oh, things start to get a bit a bit dodgy so I have to I have to keep myself said to doing that and I, I like to talk about mental health because it's something that everybody everybody deals with and you know within reason 
you know there are different different ways in which we deal with them and um, some people feel like hopeless some people just feel oh I don't feel quite right today but everybody and as Jamaicans it's so strange that we don't talk about it because we always say we feel things are in our spirit we'll say my spirit not take her you know all that kind of stuff my spirit didn't 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 vibe with that person mm -hmm. so it's very deeply about the gut and the senses but then we we don't want to talk about when when the main thing that keeps you going fails mm -hmm. which is which is strange um so talking about this to me is liberation you know it's the truth and when you talk about the truth as ugly as it is you've got to you're gonna you're gonna find allies because we that's what we all need to be doing right now talking saves people's lives it saves people's spirits so that's what i knew i gotta do you know Ooh, thank you hey <laughs> you're welcome any more questions good yeah sure i'm interested in the title the terrible Woo. Okay, I'm glad you asked that. Um, so the title, The Terrible, the reason why I called it The Terrible is like a personification of all the things. Because I noticed I've moved around the world a lot, right? Trying to say, oh, this place will be better. This place will be better. This place I'll feel better. And yeah, it's better for a couple of weeks. And then something comes gets into bed with you at night, you know, tries to knocks on your door. And it's the you, it's the you that you're not dealing with. So the terrible is a personification of that part of you that if you don't deal with it, it's going to come for you, you know? So it can be grief, loneliness, despair. It can be an eating disorder. It can be depression, anxiety, addiction, addiction, addiction. It can be any one of those things. It could be, oh, severe loneliness, you know? It can be trauma. So the terrible to me, it's, it's almost like a monster or um, a little animal, or maybe a human, or a part of yourself that will just keep coming, knocking on your door, unless, until you greet it and you go, this is, okay, I, I have a problem with you, and, and, and this is why, and this is how we, we can trace it back. So it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. It's the terrible, but it's, it's not always terrible. You know, sometimes it's full of light. Were it not for the terrible, I wouldn't have a book right now. So, you know, it, it, you know, it's something you've got to make peace with. And that shadow part of yourself, that difficult part of yourself could also be your best friends, you know, could also be part of you. You just got to tame it and you've got to address it. So, so yeah, so yeah, the terrible, this monster that can be a fluffy pet, that can be a companion, that can be tamed, that can be you, the terrible. Hi. Hello. Um, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about um, the distinction in, um, between the way like Instagram writers, Instagram poets, and like poets are presented or talked about in the media or by reviewers or just like the way you perceive that designation. Well, there's no such that. I mean, there's no distinction, is there? I am a poet and I put things into little squares on Instagram and then they call me an Instagram poet. So I say, okay, great. I'm an Instagram poet. I love the fact that like Instagram has made it easy for young people to find poetry accessible because it has been really boring. If I like thought about how I was taught poetry in school, I would never, ever ever want to write poetry again so people some there are there are some people who will use the term instagram poet as a device to kind of you know diminish what we do and that's fine 
they could do that. Um, I, I, I like, I like that this is a, it's a new renaissance of poetry. Young people, 13, 14, 15 year olds now, because they saw a few lines, a section from a poem that, that did something to them. And now like writing poetry, what, what better thing is there? It can't be old and dying from the 1700s. It's got to be now, you know, we've got to talk about now. Poetry is for everyone. It's not just for a certain type of person, a certain class, a certain color of person. That's lies that's what they tried to make us think you know poetry is for everyone emotions are for everyone so we're all feeling stuff we should all we can all write poetry so so i think the fact some people say it's simplifying it but i think the fact that we are bringing poetry to now is is stunning and if they want to call me an instagram poet i'll be an instagram poet thanks <laughs> We, we have time for one more question, if anybody has one. One more question? <gasps> oh, love, I wish I knew. You know, every day, you know, I, I allow myself to just, I'm, I'm writing 10 million things at once. So I have all these little folders on my computer. This might be the next thing. This might be the next thing. But I just try to be inspired and be as on it. I tried to write like something that I thought I was supposed to write. And it just doesn't happen like that for me. I've just got to write what I want to, what I feel. And so there are, I have ideas. We will see. We will see what happens. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I allow myself to be surprised often in life. Hello. Uh, I Hello. Have a question. Hi. What's your name? Mila. Okay. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I just wanted to, I've read The Terrible. I guess to just be honest about that. I've read The Terrible. And I just wanted to know, um, I feel like sometimes I've had, I've had that question from a few other people and I like bite my tongue to not want to tell them. But I guess a lot of them, I feel like they might be wondering, like, uh, are there any stories or anything in the terrible that correlate so strongly to Bone that you think that some of your like followers and fans might kind of notice or are they yeah. really, really different? Yeah, no, 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 because it's, you know, both both books are, you know, well, the, the terrible is completely autobiographical. Bone is semi-autobiographical, but there's bits about other people too. Um, but you can, it's almost like you could, you could pull Bone out of the terrible. You know, I talk about things that Bone is full of like love poems, you know, set in South Africa where I fell in love a few times. And, um, and then the terrible talks about going there. Bone talks about discord in the family, the terrible the first part, the first third is about that. You know, Bone talks about love, it talks about depression, it talks about sex, it talks about sex work, it talks about lots of things. The Terrible talks about all of that. So when the same person writes that, you know, it, it could be, it could be a pull out insert, but the two of them, they, they stand on their own as well. So yeah, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't stop. When I started writing The Terrible, and I realized I was, to my horror and dismay, that I was writing a, a memoir, the dreaded M word. Um, I couldn't then take it back. I couldn't say, well, I'm gonna write this, but I'll, I won't write this. I have to make myself, you know, very appealing and, and wonderful. No, I had to write The Dirt and The Grit, and there's a lot of dirt and grit in there. <laughs> had to do it and 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 yeah um so they do you can tell it's definitely the 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 stuff in bone is 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 definitely the same person as the terrible but 
as with anything, you know, you grow as a writer, so you change. So the 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 voice is different, and then it's the same, and then it's different, and then it's the same. It's you know, the, there are many scenes in it, and uh, you know, it comes from all different angles. I, I write in the first person, the third person, the second person. I write uh, in the present uh, present tense and the past tense. So it's like it's like a multi angular view of what's going on. But same girl. Well, everyone give a round of applause to Yosha Daily War. Thank you. Live at Politics and Prose is a co-production of The Bookstore and Slate.com. For information about upcoming Politics and Prose events, visit politics-prose.com. And please let us know what you think of this program. Our email is podcasts at slate.com.